0: His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield, keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God most high, our secret hiding place, we will always be shielded from harm. How then could evil prevail against us or disease infect us? God sends angels with special orders to protect you wherever you go, defending you from all harm. If you walk into a trap, they'll be there for you and keep you from stumbling. You'll even walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. For here is what the Lord has spoken to me. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. His arms of faithfulness are a shield keeping you from harm. You will never worry about an attack of demonic forces at night, nor have to fear a spirit of darkness coming against you. Don't fear a thing. Whether by day or by night, demonic danger will not trouble you, nor will the powers of evil be launched against you. Even in a time of disaster with thousands and thousands being killed, you will remain unscathed and unharmed. You will be a spectator as the wicked perish in judgment, for they will be paid back for what they have done. When we live our lives within the shadow of God Most High, our secret hiding place, we will always be
1: in our midst, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We magnify you. We worship you. And Lord, we thank you that you speak to us.
2: Oh, O ha.
1: Just as my light shined in the darkness, I'm shining in you. No man puts a can puts a bushel, puts a candle under a bushel. I have destined you to shine, to shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So let your light shine. Turn it on. The power bill has been paid. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Glory to God. It costs you nothing to shine. Hallelujah. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do an amazing job? Hallelujah. Glory to God. A lot of good things happening here. Coming up on Wednesday the 22nd, uh, we're going to have uh, a director from Rama India, going to be with us, Pastor Sushil Kumar. He was here last year. and uh, Mark the 22nd on your calendars. Bring a friend, and uh, let's be a blessing to him. He's going to bring forth the word, and uh, we're happy to have him. Uh, coming up on April 21st and 22nd, uh, ladies, we're having the Woven Women's Conference, and uh, we're going to have another uh, Rhema director. She directs uh, Rhema South Pacific. Patty Akui is going to be with us, and it's going to be a great time. Uh, that's, it's free, but you have to register. Is that correct? Yeah, it's by, no, by donation. And uh, I'll tell you what, the women do a fantastic job, and uh, you'll be greatly blessed. So that's for all the ladies, and uh, God is good. Hallelujah. Dr. Fiona is going to come up and uh, share something with us.
3: I asked Pastor Doug to do it, and he asked me to do it. Um, But before I do that, I wanted to tell you about our speaker that's coming for the Women's Conference. So uh, she is the director for the Rama. I think there's three or four schools in the region that she directs. They had two cyclones hit them uh, this past week. So today was day eight. Day ate without power or water. And when you read her report, you would think they're living in the lap of luxury. <laughs> because her report is always, we are doing well and God is good and we are strong. So I just want you to know the caliber of woman that will be speaking to you. She has passed many tests, overcome many battles, and won many victories. So she has victory in her voice when she speaks to us, and she, she's got some good stuff to impart. So I'm really excited for us to benefit from her. The anointing God's put inside of her, and um, she's training people who can't be reached any other way except by a big ship. So that was a vision, the Lord, you know, they have this big ship and they go into all the uttermost parts of the world. Her ministry is called uttermost ministry. So I just want to encourage you to bring folks to be under that. Amen. So what I want to share with you tonight is I rarely ever get up here and talk about Blessed Children Home as far as raising funds, because most of you know about it, but some of you may not. So Blessed Children Home is the orphanage organization that my parents started that I am now overseeing. And what I... Two days ago on my desk, uh, I got a report from a contractor that had been doing some work for me, and he was just simply going to go measure the back of our property where the orphanage is to put up a fence, because the fence we currently have is falling over. But we've been propping it up, you know, and it's all good. And so he went to do the measurements, and then he looked and saw that this, uh, the foundation of our land is eroding. Because the back fence is up against a trench or a canal type thing. So that's where all the water goes through when it rains. It comes up high and all this stuff. So we thought the fence was just falling over. But it's a little bit more serious than that. So (laughs) I need to act like ASAP. And this project will take about three weeks to physically complete. It's a lot of physical labor. And because of where it's located, it's hard to get equipment in there. So they'll have to manually do a lot of the digging and everything else. And so the bottom line is $12,500 U.S. dollars is the estimate. Now, I just completed a project which took a lot of the money I had reserved. So I need (laughs) $12,500. And the rainy season is starting in uh, the beginning of April. It's scheduled to start the beginning of April. I've already spoken to it to not show up until this project is complete. And so we don't want that to occur because then the trench will fill up with, wall. you know, they won't have access to it. So the goal is to dig down five feet, put a good solid foundation with steel, fill it up with concrete, and then build seven, a seven-foot wall to protect our kids and all that from that. So I'm just presenting that to you tonight, Pastor Doug. I wanted me to share it with you, that if you have uh, funds available for missions, this would be a great place to put it. And you could make checks out to BTC. If you'd like to make a check directly to us, we are a 501c3 organization, so you'll get a tax deduction for that. Or you could just make it out to the church and designate it for best home. whatever works best for you. God bless you. Thank you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, uh, in your giving, you can uh, do some extra. Amen over and above giving causes over and above living hallelujah father we give you uh, you know here at vcf we we don't pass a container but uh we do have two seed planters one by the bookstore and one as you come in and you can give any time during the service if you're watching online obviously you can uh, go through our website and do that heavenly father i, I give you thanks and praise it's my uh, utmost privilege to pronounce the blessing of the lord on the givers and their gifts father and I thank you that it goes into your kingdom, and it does great and incredible things, Lord, and you give a great and abundant return to them in Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to have some kids' live tonight. We got a good group of kids, and we got, uh, so we just want to dismiss you kids. Have a good night. Have a good class. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, it's time to freshen up. You know, ladies, you you like to freshen up, right? We take vacations so we can freshen up, right? But how many know that God wants us to freshen up, all right? I mean, after all, this is Wednesday night refreshing, You know, God wants to freshen up, but God wants to refresh your freshening. God wants to keep you fresh, right? You know, uh, when you get Jesus in your life, he's a preservative. He's a life preserver, right? He preserves you from death. Does that mean you're not going to die? It just means uh, when you die, you're in a different place, right? So I want you to turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 3. And we're going to start here with verse 16. This is on the heels of a miracle where a lame man who had been lame from birth was healed. How many know Jesus is in the healing business? Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to freshen up. And I believe that God is going to refresh you tonight. How many believe that? You know we sang we sang a song I believe in God. Well, God's a refresher. He's a life giver. You know, wherever Jesus is, he's the life of the party. Right? Cuz everywhere he goes, he brings life. If he comes into a dead place, it gets it gets livened. You know, what you do, Jesus? I just was here. My presence brings life. Right? So in Acts chapter 3, Starting with verse 16, it's on the heels of this uh, miracle, and Peter is still encouraging the people. He's still exhorting the people, and uh, he's explaining what happened, how this man got healed who was lame from birth. And he said, and his name. Oh, there's something about his name. There is power in his name. There is authority in his name. There i tell you what, his name is the key to heaven. It opens up the, to the goodness of God. His name. Something about his name. And his name through faith in his name. Hallelujah. Has made this man strong. I want you to notice two things made this lame man healed. The name of Jesus and faith in the name. How many have faith in the name? Hallelujah! We can put faith in the name. We can believe the power and the authority that's in the name of Jesus. All right? And uh, he said, uh, And his name, through, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know, yes, the faith which comes through him. Hallelujah. So faith in his, na- his name, faith in his name, and the faith that comes through his name. Did you know that God gives you the faith to believe him? See, he's the object of the faith. The Bible says he's the author and the finisher of the faith. Faith, he, he came up with this idea of faith. When God created the world, he was operating by faith. When Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, he was operating by faith. When Jesus walked on the water, he was operating by faith. When Jesus spoke to the storm and calmed it, he was operating by faith. And guess what? We can operate by the same faith. Why? Because faith only comes from one place. It comes from the Word of God, right? And Jesus is the Word made flesh. Hallelujah. And tonight is the Word made fresh. How many like fresh bread? or fresh vegetables, right? Hallelujah, there's something about fresh. So everybody say his name. Say faith in his name. And say the faith that comes through him. And has given him perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Everybody say perfect soundness. God's will for everyone here is to have perfect soundness in their body, in their life, if you're married, in your marriage, if you have a family, in your family, a perfect soundness, complete wholeness, hallelujah. So we got to have faith in his name. His name is the, there's no name higher. His name has been given a name above every other name. He's the head in heaven. He's the head on earth, and he's the head under the earth. That's Jesus. Hallelujah. So, faith comes through his name. So, now, he goes on, verse 17. Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also... Your rulers see they acted ignorantly when they crucified Jesus because they didn't know he was the Messiah they didn't know that he would be raised from the dead like the Bible even says if if they did if he'd have known that Jesus was gonna rise from the dead they'd have never crucified him but he didn't know they were ignorant see ignorance is uh it's willful blindness ignorance is a want of knowledge ignorance is a want of knowledge especially of divine things look at your neighbor and say don't be ignorant i didn't say call him no <laughs> To be ignorant means to be unawakened. But how many know when God does something, people wake up? They get out of a a stage of unawakenedness and they they wake up. They become alive. They, they, they They rise up to a new thing. So Peter was calling these people, they did it in ignorance. All right? The Bible says, that in Isaiah 44, verses 18 to 20, you don't have to turn there, it says, they have not known or understood, they can't see or they can't understand. When someone is ignorant, they can't understand things, they don't know things, right? But here's the thing, ignorance has a cure, and we're going to get to that here in just a minute, all right? To be ignorant is to be separated from the life of God and not know what he promised. You know, if you, can't, if you don't know what God promised, you can't claim the promise. If you have no knowledge that there is a God, you might not even believe that he exists. But God just gets a chuckle out of those people who don't think he's, he, he exists. He laughs at them. Amen? See, to be ignorant is to have a carnal mind. It means you're not subject to... To God. See, and they crucified. See, when you do things out of ignorance, you mistreat people because you don't know. All right? According to Ephesians 4, verse 18, ignorance is having a dark understanding, it's a clouded reasoning. It's to be separated from God's life. You know, when you're disconnected from life, you're lifeless. You might be, you know, people can walk on this earth, they can live and they can talk, but they can be dead spiritually. They can be disconnected from the life of God. And they're trying to live on their own with their senses, in their own mind, in their own limited knowledge. And guess what? That's only going to lead to a dead end. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So we don't want to follow the way of man. We want to follow the way of the Son of Man, Jesus. See, because if we're going to be refreshed, we got to correct our ignorance of spiritual things. You know, there was a time, I mean, I'm probably still ignorant of some spiritual things because there's a lot of spiritual things in the Bible. I don't know everything. If I did, I wouldn't even be on this planet. I would have graduated. But there's things that I don't know. But I don't have to stay that way. I don't have to stay in an unknown state because I can know. Our God wants us to know. Right? That's why he wrote a book. Because that's how he revealed himself. God reveals himself through the word. All right? So to be ignorant is to have spiritual blindness. It's to uh, have hard-heartedness. It's to be spiritually insensitive. You know, there are some people that they wouldn't recognize the Holy Spirit if he walked down the aisle with a big red hat on. Is that the Holy Spirit? I don't know. Some people they just don't know because they're not familiar with him. But once you get familiar with him, it's easier to recognize him, isn't it? Okay? To be ignorant is to be is to be callous and unfeeling. It's to be sense-ruled and it leads to impurity. All right? Say but we're correcting our ignorance tonight. See, this is what Peter was telling these people. See, when this guy got healed, he walked into the church for the first time. Everybody who went into the synagogue passed this man to get in. They saw him begging, and they, they, they were amazed. This is the same man. He came leaping and jumping and praising God, and they were all gathered around Peter under the porch there. They were under Solomon's porch. See, in the temple, they had the courtyard. That's where everybody gathered, right? Then they had Solomon's porch. I mean, one time, my first trip in Fiji, this was back in 1993, the pastor's house was right there, and the pulpit was his porch. And they said, What are you preaching on tonight? I said, I'm preaching on the porch. Because I literally, the porch was the pulpit, it was the platform. And they had chairs set up. The porch was here. They had chairs set up. So I preached on the porch, praise God. Glory to God. Okay? So uh, being ignorant of who Jesus is, you'll mistreat him and you won't receive him. You won't receive from him. If you don't know what he offers, you can't get what he wants you to have. Right? Ignorance can prevent us from... From getting what God wants it prevents us from receiving what God has offered us and, and it, when we're ignorant of Jesus we mistreat him right we don't respect him we you know can you see that I'm not saying you guys are I'm just saying this is what the Bible says about this all right not acting in faith is ignorant and not being fully aware of uh of what we do when 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 someone is ignorant they just go around they do things and they don't know why they're doing them right because they don't have a clue that's another thing to be clueless all right people who don't know the lord they don't know what they're doing okay uh they don't understand the consequences of faith faithlessness you know if someone doesn't know that there's a hell they're living their life and they're thinking that they're okay But they're not they're on a dead-end path, but they continue to live their life It doesn't stop them from living they live their life, but they're living their life unknown of what's coming ahead Because they're ignorant of it. They don't know that it's there until they come to the truth Hallelujah, aren't you glad that the truth comes in and cures our ignorance? All right See uh when someone is ignorant, they don't know about spiritual things other than those are, that are in the occult, right? They, they have a sense of there's a spiritual realm, right? Uh, and when we don't know the benefits that Jesus offered and freely gave us, we can't receive of them. You know, they, I heard this story one time of a man who died in uh, poverty. And uh, he... he He had a money belt on with $23,000 stuffed in the money belt, but he must have forgot that it was there because he died hungry. He died in poverty. He could have used that money to buy food. But if you don't know that it's there, you can't use it. Like, how many ever lost their keys, right? If you lose your keys, you can't operate your vehicle, right, unless you got an extra set. But if you only have one set and you lose that set, You better know how to hotwire that vehicle, right? My point is you can't operate the vehicle if you don't have the tools, right, or if you don't know how to do that, okay? All right, let's go on. Verse 18, okay, they... uh, But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ would suffer has been fulfilled. I want to tell you something. Everything that God says is fulfilled. There's not one word that he ever speaks that that, that is left undone. Everything, God, you can rely on God's word. God's word is reliable. What God says he's going to do, he's going to do. Amen? Amen. This is what he was telling them, okay? So God's word is always fulfilled. It always comes to pass. It occurs exactly like he said it. Hallelujah. That means you can put faith in the word. Why? Because it's unchanging. God cannot lie. Hallelujah, all right? So verse 18, and uh, God's word comes to pass. Now, here's verse 19. This is where we want to get to tonight. He said, repent, therefore, and be converted. Repentance is a cure for ignorance. If someone comes in here and they're ignorant, they can say, oh, Lord, I'm sorry for being ignorant, and God will show them truth. Because when you repent, you're saying, I'm open to learn something new. I'm open, okay? Peter was telling these group of people that witnessed this man get healed. He said, repent, therefore. And be converted. You you know when you repent, you got to turn. Right? Repentance means I'm going this way and this way is a dead end. This way is destruction, so I gotta turn and go this way. I gotta change the way I think, I gotta change the way I speak, and I gotta change the way I act. Everybody say repent. So he said, Repent and be converted. So there's two things. Repentance is the key, conversion is the operation repentance opens the door, and conversion, you're walking in, okay? Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Oh, my goodness. Let me tell you something. When God redacts your sins, he doesn't remember it. It doesn't exist. It's under the blood. He can't see it. He doesn't even know it's there. Your sins are blotted out. Hallelujah. That means they are unrecognizable. When you repent and you get converted, your sins get blotted out. Hallelujah. The devil tries to read your report and it's all been didacted, redacted. You know, you can't read a redacted document. It's designed that way. That's what it means to blot out. Repent. Repent. Be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, that times, not one time, not two times, not three times, but times. As many times as you need. Hallelujah. There's more than one time. There's more than one season. There's more than one moment that God can meet you. That times of refreshing come from the presence of God. It's time to freshen up. How are we going to freshen up? Something's going to come from God's presence. When I do something to connect with God's plan I repent That's something that I got to do Jesus has already offered forgiveness He offered forgiveness to the whole world But the whole world hasn't accepted his forgiveness You have I have We have But there are some that haven't So they got to repent Then they got to be converted You know You become something new the old is passed away. You become a new creature. You, become, you, you get new life. You get new vision. You get new perspective. Hallelujah. You become something new. You get converted. You get an upgrade from the inside out. When you repent and when you be converted and your sins are blotted out, then times, not once, not twice, not three times, but as many times as you need. Times of refreshing come directly from his presence. In his presence, Psalms uh, 1611 says, in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Could you use some refreshing tonight? Times, okay, God's word refreshes our mind and God's spirit renews our strength. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. God's, oh, that's a quote from TB Joshua. God's word refreshes our mind and God's spirit refreshes our strength. We need a new, what are we supposed to do with our minds? Renew our minds. You know, refreshing is revival. That's That's what refreshing is. Times of revival come from God's presence. Times of renewal come from God's presence. Times of regeneration come from God's presence. All these words mean the same thing. All right, let me just focus on this word times. Notice it's plural. It's not singular. This word times, it means a fitting season or a season of opportunity or an occasion of time. You know what? When you come to a service like this, you got a moment. you got an opportunity to have an encounter with God. Now, you could be like a frog on a log. Ribbit. Ribbit. Right. Or you could be an active participant in what God wants to do. What does God want to do? He'll tell you. But what he tells you may not make sense to your mind. See, and and when God tells you something to do something or to say something, you're going to have to overcome the thoughts that you're thinking about what other people are thinking, because the thoughts that you're thinking about what other people are thinking aren't even correct, because you don't know what they're thinking. You're only thinking those thoughts in your mind, but they're not the thoughts that they're actually thinking. They're only the thoughts that you're thinking that they're thinking. Right? How many has ever done that? You're thinking someone is thinking something, but they're not even thinking that, but you get all mad because you're thinking that they're thinking something that they're not thinking. And it gets you in trouble. Right? Yeah, you mess yourself up. I can't, I can't believe you said that. What? I didn't even say anything. What are you talking about? Yeah, I heard it in my mind. You said it. We do that, though, don't we? We make things bigger in our minds than what they really are. Okay? Say, so now's the time to freshen up. That means you, you're going to get something from God's presence tonight. Because refreshing comes from his presence. It's from him to you. It's a direct line, a direct connection from his presence to you. God's presence is here. You know why it's called his presence? Because he brings presents. They're called gifts. God's got gifts for you. He wants to do something for you. Why? Because he loves you. Can you imagine... Bartimaeus. He was a blind man. And he was sitting on the road to Jericho. And Jesus was just there, or Jesus was coming there. You know, everywhere Jesus went, there was an entourage. Right? There were people around Jesus 24 7. The only time he could ever be alone was when everybody else was sleeping or when everybody else hasn't woken up. Late at night, early in the morning. That's the times when he would go pray with his father. Right? Every other time during the day, he was with people. He was with his disciples. He was with crowds. People wanted to touch him. He he had meals interrupted. I mean, the only time he could get a nap was on a boat in the middle of a storm. You know you're busy when all you you got time to do is sleep in the middle of a storm, right? So Jesus had his entourage, and Bartimaeus is blind, but he, he can hear. And he hears all these people coming, and they're talking about Jesus. What happens when you hear Jesus? You get faith, because when you hear the word, faith comes to your heart, and it gives you the ability to believe something. So Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming right by where he was sitting. So he said, I'm not just going to sit here and do nothing. I'm not going to be like that frog in the log that fell asleep and missed a thousand flies. He said, I'm going to jump into the pond. I'm going to jump on the lily pad. I'm going to take some action. Now, the only action that Bartimaeus could take was his voice. He said, Jesus, son of David. He recognized him as Messiah. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And everybody else was going, shh, shh. You know, they didn't have ushers. They had hushers. Sometimes the disciples were hushers. So the the people were telling Bartimaeus to be quiet. But when you need a miracle, you don't stay quiet. When you need a miracle, when you need something from God, you get bold, you get loud, you do what you got to do. I'm going to get my miracle, and I don't care about you, honey. You ain't going to stop me, honey. No way. I'm in rare form tonight. I don't know. So. Here's the thing. You can read this in Mark 10. So the very people that told Bartimaeus to be quiet, see, because when, when the devil gets loud, you get louder. See, religion will say, come to church and be quiet. But a relationship will say, come to church and have fun. You know, church ought to be like a sporting event. There ought to be some cheering, some clapping, some shouting. Right? We ought to wear the colors. Our team colors are red. The blood. That's our team colors. Everybody in here came wearing a shirt of blood tonight. You've been washed in the blood. You've been blood bought. We are the blood bought church of God. Hallelujah. He shed blood on Calvary. And every drop of blood broke every curse on this earth. So Bartimaeus, he got louder. And... He got Jesus' attention. So the same people that told Bartimaeus, you have to be quiet, said, oh, the master wants to talk to you. <laughs> oh, my, how their tone has changed. They went from shushing to coming now. <laughs> you know, sometimes God will feed people some alphabet soup. All right, they got to eat their words. So Bartimaeus is blind. He can't see. And they bring him to Jesus, and Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do? Can't you see that I'm blind, Jesus? See, but he wants Bartimaeus to be specific about what he wants. What do you want me to do? Bartimaeus, basically Jesus said, name your miracle. Look at your neighbor and say, name your miracle. Did you know that Bartimaeus didn't have to go to a, a seminar to how to receive healing? He didn't have to go to a class. All he had to do was connect with the Word. Because why? Refreshing comes from his presence. How many know blindness is a thief? It steals your ability to do things. You can't drive a car. You, you're limited as to what you do, right? And you've got to beg, Bartimaeus didn't want to be a beggar. He was a believer. Believers aren't beggars. We don't have to beg God. All we have to do is believe God. That's what Bartimaeus did. He believed God. He called on the name of the Lord. He said, I'm going to get some refreshing from his presence. This isn't even in my notes. This is the Holy Ghost. So Bartimaeus said that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, be it. According as you have believed. He didn't heal him by his power. He didn't heal him by his name. Bartimaeus had faith. How many of you got faith tonight? We, we sang it. You ought to have it if you sang it. Amen. Amen. And our faith isn't just in anything. Our faith is in God. He is the object of our faith. Our faith is in the word. Our faith is in God's power. All all those things the Bible says have faith in. Bartimaeus said that I might receive my sight. And he went from blind Bartimaeus to seeing Bartimaeus. Because he wasn't going to let his miracle pass him by. That's how we got to be. Bartimaeus said, I'm getting converted. I'm going from blind to seeing. That was a conversion. Hallelujah. He got his miracle. Does God love Bartimaeus more than you? No. He loves you the same exact amount. He can do the same exact thing for you tonight. Whatever you need, God can do it. God can handle it. He's got the power. And he wants to bring refreshing from his presence. But we got to connect with his presence. All right? What does the word refreshing mean? It means a recovery of breath. <sighs> you've been underwater for so long, you come up and you, you take a deep breath, don't you? Right? Because you've got to recover your breath. Refreshing is a recovery of breath. It's a, it's a cooling or reviving with fresh air. Hallelujah. God's your biggest fan. He's going to blow some fresh air in your direction. Hallelujah. Refreshing. See, I'm getting refreshed tonight. Refreshing is a cooling refreshing of the messianic blessedness to be ushered in by the return of Christ. It's revival. It's renewal. It's restoring. It's replenishing. It's recreating. It's regenerating. It's uh, reanimating. Some of us are like dead, but then the Holy Ghost comes on us and we get animated. We do things that we didn't think we could do, right? We get animated. Hallelujah. Like Bugs Bunny, we get animated. Refreshing brings relief after fatigue. You know, you spend a lot of time in this world and you're going to get wore out. That's why you need places like this to come and get refreshed. Because you can only get refreshed from the presence of the Lord. His power to you, man, it, it, it comes in you. It's available to you right now in this place. You don't have to be in a particular place to connect with the power of God. You can be anywhere, any place, any time. We, we have access to God 24-7, 365 days a year. You can access. You can. You can walk into God's presence anytime you want to. Amen. We're connected to God's presence. I bet. The, I bet the prodigal son got relief from the pig pen. How did he get relief? He went home. Amen. He reconnected with the presence of the Father. And what happened? The father gave him, the father gave him love. The father gave him acceptance. The father gave him restoration. He restored his position. He never lost his position as far as the father was concerned. But all he needed to do was come back home. Sometimes people need to come back home. You, you, you've been you've been going on too too long far away. It's time to come on home. Hallelujah. The woman at the well in Samaria, she found relief. She had five relationships that were messed up. Five marriages, and and now she's living with a guy. That's messed up relationships. That's someone who who is codependent or something, and and she's been messed up. She's had all these relationships, all this heartache, all this brokenness, and she meets a man who gives her living water. She found relief from her suffering. She found relief. You know, sin will wear you out. Sin will make you pay. More than you anticipated paying. Sin will cause you to spend more time than you wanted to spend. Sin will extract a toll on you that was more than you bargained for. But you got how do you find relief from sin? You come to Jesus. You come to living water and you drink in that living water. It becomes in you a well springing up to life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So these people found relief. Turning to God comes because we change our mind. When we have a change in our mind, all it takes to turn to God is a decision. Stop doing what you're doing and start doing something else. Come to Jesus. Amen? He will never fail you. Hallelujah. Times of refreshing, seasons of refreshing... Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, there were some dark ages. Oh no, I'm not going to go there. But um, there was some there was a time between Eli and Samuel. How many know who Eli is? Eli was a priest in the Old Testament. His eyes were dim and he couldn't see. His vision was dim and he couldn't discern things. And uh let me just read what I wrote here. Hallelujah. The time between Samuel and Eli. Uh, Eli, he was dull spiritually. He couldn't see clearly, and he couldn't act decisively, because he loved his sons more than God, and he never disciplined his sons. They were they were running wild as priests. They were doing ungodly, wicked things in the temple, and he never did anything about it. So he couldn't see clearly. He couldn't act decisively, and he was dull spiritually. Maybe you came in here tonight dull, but I got some iron. And you know what? Iron sharpens iron. If you came in here tonight dull, you can be sharpened tonight. We can put an edge on you tonight. We can let some sparks fly. You know, when iron sharpens iron, sparks fly. The Holy Ghost is a sparker. Hallelujah. He he doesn't, you know, the Holy... The Holy Ghost is different from, uh, who's the bear that puts out, oh, Smokey the Bear. He puts out forest fires. The Holy Ghost causes fires, but, the Holy, but Smokey the Bear wants fires to be put out. Religion is Smokey the Bear. He'll put your fire out, but the Holy Ghost, he's an igniter. He'll ignite your fire. So if you came in here and you just have a little flicker on your flame, we're going to add some flames to your fire tonight. Amen? Some of you've you, you got to be hot. The Bible says be hot or cold. He said, but don't be lukewarm. If you're a lukewarm fire, God will spit you out of his mouth. You've got to be hot. You don't want to be an iceberg. You want to be hot. How many want to be hot? On fire for God. Flowing with a passion for the Holy Ghost and the things of God. Well, that's what happens. You're going to get refreshed tonight because something's coming from his presence. It's already here. We just got to receive. Glory to God. The moment you turn to God is the moment the Holy Spirit begins to turn and burn. I'm telling you, the moment you make a decision that you're going to go to God with whatever you're facing, you're going you're gonna to let God work it out. You're going to let God deal with it. the moment you go to God is the moment that the Holy Spirit, He begins to churn. You know what churn is? Like? Churning makes butter. Churning turns milk into butter. Churning is a, is a stirring. You know, the Bible says we've got to stir ourselves up. Stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you, that came on you with the laying on of hands. You've got to stir yourself up. It's not my job as a pastor to stir you up. You get your own spoon, put it in your own cup, and stir yourself up. How do you stir yourself up? Begin to praise God. Begin to magnify God. Use your mouth and praise and worship to him. That's how you stir yourself up. Your tongue is the spoon. And you start moving your tongue and things get stirred up on the inside. I've used this illustration, but, you know, we live in the great land of Hershey. Right? Hershey chocolate. You know, you could take a nice a, a, Big, tall, ice cold glass of milk. Right? And you could take some Hershey syrup and pour it in there. But just because you pour it in there, it doesn't make it chocolate milk. As far as from all the eyes can see, you pour the syrup in there. It's got the ingredients, but it's still white milk. It doesn't become chocolate milk until you stick that spoon in that milk and you begin to turn. You begin to stir. But when you begin to stir, a transformation takes place. The white turns brown and it turns to chocolate and now you can drink it. Hallelujah. Just because you come to church and God pours some things into you doesn't mean a transformation is taking place. You've got to stir it up every now and then, every once in a while. You've got to shake it up a little bit. You've got to stir it up a little bit. My point is you've you got to act on God's word. God will not move you, but he gives you an opportunity to move. Then you've got to move. God's not going to make, he's not going to put his hand in you like a puppet and make you prophesy, but the Spirit of God will come on you and you'll feel his presence to speak and you've got to step out in faith and speak. Every gift of the Holy Spirit requires your faith of participation. He makes, he, he opens the door, he gives you the invitation, but you've got to walk in. Amen? Did God make you get saved? Did he get you in a headlock and say, you're going to get saved? Or I'm not letting you go? No. He gave you a choice. You had to respond to his word. And when you said, Jesus, I'm responding to you, you say, Jesus, come into my heart. He came in. He saved you. But you had to do that. That was your part. He, already, he did the hard part. We did the easy part. Amen? Hallelujah. But then Samuel came along. Samuel... He arose. He, he was birthed in the miraculous. Why? His mama got tired of being criticized for not being able to have a baby. And she said, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to go to God and pray. What a concept. She goes to the temple to pray to have a baby. And she's praying so intently. She's praying so fervently. Her mouth is moving, but nothing's coming out. And Eli, who can't see, thinks she's drunk. Because he has no discernment. He's the priest. And he's, 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 uh, uh, he's uh, rebuking her. And she said, oh, no, I didn't drink. She says, I'm a woman of sorrow. She says, I'm praying. And he, he finally looks at her and says, God granted your request. And so she prayed Samuel into existence. Because she tried and tried and tried. See, when you try and try and try, that's toil. That's never going to get you anything. You can toil all night and not catch a thing. But when Jesus gets in your boat, you'll have, an, you'll have too much fish. I'm telling you, Peter connected with the presence of God. And out of God's presence being in his boat came overflow. Refreshing. Blessing. Increase. Because Jesus connected, I mean, Peter connected with Jesus. Hey, here's my boat, Jesus. Use it as a pulpit. Samuel, he arose, he grew, the Lord was with him. His words didn't fall to the ground. He honored the Lord and he led Israel as an established prophet. Because God had to override the mess that Eli had allowed. And Eli had a daughter-in-law who gave birth. God God sent a man of God and said to Eli, both your sons are going to die in the same day. And they did. That happened. They, they were invaded, and uh, his sons died. His daughter-in-law gave birth, and she named the baby Ichabod, which means the glory of God has departed. When God's glory departs, you can pray, and God will send his glory again. He sent his glory in Samuel. He restored the glory in Samuel. Hallelujah. Say, it's time for some Refreshing. Oh, hallelujah. Let me just give you some examples that I want you to see where refreshing came in. Oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, go to Psalms 92. I'm just going to take just a couple minutes here because I want the Holy Ghost to do something here. I mean, he's ready to do something. Amen? All right. Uh, put up Acts 2.38. Acts 2.38. All right. Peter said to them, repent, that's what he said in uh, chapter 3, right? And be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's connecting with his presence. And you, because of the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the refreshing. So they repented, they got baptized, and they received a gift. Amen? Say, it's that easy. Say, refreshing is easy. Yeah. God wants you to ref- He wants to refresh you more than you want to be refreshed, so you might as well just be refreshed. Amen? All right, go to Acts eleven twenty one. Acts eleven twenty one. Hallelujah. All right? Acts eleven twenty one. The hand of the Lord was with him. That's the power of God. Every time it talks about his hand, it's talking about his power. <laughs> and a great number of uh, who believed turned to the Lord. Okay, so they're believing, they're putting their faith in him, they're turning to him. right? Verse 22. The news of this reached the ears of the church of Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch, who when he arrived, he saw the grace of God. He saw the people getting touched. He saw the people getting filled. He saw the people getting refreshed. He saw the people getting renewed. Hallelujah. You can see the grace of God when it's operating. He saw the grace of God and he rejoiced. Everybody so say he rejoiced. Let's do what Barnabas did. Y'all, y'all don't know how to rejoice. Well, here's the thing the Bible, the Bible has a, a, a thing. He says, Rejoice, and if you don't get it right the first time, and again I say, Rejoice. Let's take a rejoice moment. Come on, you've got to rejoice in the Lord. When God is moving, we got to get excited. Because when God is moving, the devil isn't. Because when God's moving, the devil is stomped. We're reminding him that he's under our feet. Glory to God. So he saw the grace of God and rejoiced and began encouraging them all with an unwavering heart to stay true. Just because you get refreshed, you got to keep walking in it. Amen? you got to keep walking with God. One encounter with God is not enough. One touch from the Master is not enough. I don't know about you, but I'm a Jesus addict. I'm addicted to Jesus. I'm addicted to the Word. I'm addicted to the Holy Ghost. He's my new wine. Hallelujah. He's the fire in my heart. Glory to God. He's the light that lights my path. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, go to Psalms 92. And and, uh, I'm going to just read to you one more scripture in in Acts 26, but I want you to go to Psalm 92, verse 10. Acts 26 says, uh, this was why Paul was called of God to open their eyes. See, because they were blind. To open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light. You know, when your eyes get open, you don't want to be in the darkness anymore. You don't want to be in the night anymore. You want to be in the light. If you don't have a desire for the light, your wood is wet. And you know, wet wood doesn't burn. You better get a blow dryer and dry your wood off so you can light a fire. All right? They turn from the power of Satan to God. You know, when you get free, you don't want to go back to prison anymore. Freedom is better than incarceration. Did you ever see anybody get out of handcuffs? They never once said, could you please put them back on me? They felt so good. That's like a dog returning to his vomit. I've seen that in dogs. That's just gross. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and release from their sins and an inheritance among those who have been saved. The inheritance is the refreshing. Okay, Psalm 92, verse 10. Oh, my goodness. Hallelujah. Woo. Psalm 92, verse 10. He said, I'm just going to read it from the Amplified. He said, my horn, you, you have exalted like that of the wildlife. Anytime the Bible speaks of a horn, he's talking about strength. You know, God is a strengthener. He strengthens us with might in our inner man. Some of you need some strength in your inner man. You need some intestinal fortitude. Because when we're weak spiritually, we need some strength. All right? My horn you have exalted, like that of the wild. Promotion comes from God. He said, humble it to yourself under his mighty hand, and he will exalt you. God exalted Joshua, God exalted David, and God will exalt you when you put your faith in him. He's like an elevator, man. He'll lift you up to the, to the penthouse. Glory to God. All right? Oh, and be careful of this next phrase. He says, I'm anointed with what? Everybody say some fresh oil. Y'all came to Wednesday night for an oil change. You're getting some fresh oil. We're going to get rid of the old oil. You're getting some fresh oil tonight. I, I'm anointed with fresh oil planted in the house of the Lord, I will flourish in the courts of my God, I will thrive and bear fruit, I will prosper in old age. Some of you uh, older people ought to get excited about that, because just because you're old doesn't mean you can't prosper, doesn't mean you can't increase, hallelujah. Increase in prosperity has nothing to do with age. It has everything to do with faith. Get out of your mind that when you get a certain age, you, you you're... you're incapacitated? No, you're not. There are things you can do. You can. You may not be able to do it as big as you did it before, but you can do some things. See, I can do some things. See, when you get fresh, see, fresh oil increases your strength. Fresh oil gets you exalted. Fresh oil prepares you for service. Fresh oil causes you to flourish. Fresh oil makes you planted fresh oil causes fruitfulness fresh oil increases wealth david said my he anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over god wants your cup to run over how many of you want your cup to run over then take your hands off it let it overflow let it get on the floor let it get on the table let that sucker flow shake it up and let it flow Fresh oil, it it will cause you to leave a rich legacy. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Fresh oil speaks of the Lord's faithfulness. Fresh oil reaffirms God is your rock and he is righteous. And there's some fresh oil tonight. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Glory to God. If you're here tonight, and you've been toiling out in the world, things haven't been going your way, you've been frustrated, you got some issues in your body that you're dealing with, fresh oil can take care of it. Say, fresh oil from the Lord is going to give me a complete makeover. Woo! Glory to God! You're getting a makeover tonight. Just a simple oil change will make the difference in your life. It'll make the difference in your future. And guess what? Since times of refreshing come, this ain't the only oil change you're ever going to need or you're ever going to get. There's more. If you need your oil changed tomorrow, you can get another oil change tomorrow. If you need your oil changed on Friday, you can get your oil changed again on Friday. There's no limit to how many times you can get refreshed from God's presence. You can get refreshed from God's presence multiple times in the day. It's not just a once and done thing. Refreshing comes from his presence. It comes directly to you. It's quicker than Amazon. God just, he just downloads it to you. Hallelujah. So if you need some fresh oil, you know what to do. Come on up here right now. In the name of Jesus.